Welcome to Fitchix Chat. Today's episode is brought to you by Keto Breathalyzer. We spend so much time guessing what to eat for best results, when to eat, and are overwhelmed by reading and hearing so much conflicting information, it's exhausting. Here's the thing though, not everybody's the same. So while eating at certain times might prove to be effective for your BFF, those times might not work for you and vice versa. If you're ready to finally take the guesswork out of it and have your body actually tell you when you're in a state of ketosis, then listen up. Today's episode is sponsored by Keto, the most scientifically proven and designed tool to help you discover when you're in a state of ketosis. This tool is amazing if you follow the keto diet as it will help you understand your own body so much more clearly. Not on the keto train yet? Remember, keto is not just for weight loss. It also helps with inflammation, preventing long-term diseases, and so much more. Please visit www.getketo.com forward slash fitchix, www.getketo.com forward slash fitchix, and use promo code fitchix to save 20% off your very own keto breathalyzer kit today. Welcome to the Fit Chicks Chat Podcast, where we talk all things fitness, nutrition, and wellness for women to help you live your healthiest and fiercest life inside and out. And now, your hosts, Laura Jackson and Amanda Quinn. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Fit Chicks Chat. <laughs> I like your dance move today. It's cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. My name is Laura Jackson. And I'm Amanda Quinn. And we are the founders of Fitchix Academy. And on today's episode, we are talking about something that I think a lot of you are going to be very interested in. And that is the, Amanda? Top five foods that you might think are healthy, but fitness pros would never use with their own clients or maybe even with themselves. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I love this topic because I think that there are a lot of foods listed on here today that we're going to talk about that you have been duped with. I don't know about you, Laura, because I know you're a registered holistic nutritionist. So, but maybe back in the day, I know for me, I've been duped by some of them. I've been like thinking that they're good for me. And then all of a sudden realizing eh, not so much. Oh yeah. I mean, food marketing is insane like how good they <laughs> they get at positioning foods to make their packaging look healthy they say certain words which leads you to believe that this is something that's going to be healthy for you so like it's mm -hmm. it's very creative and it's all of course very strategically done to make you keep eating more and wanting more and all of that stuff. So um, we want to help you guys get away from all of that so you guys can make choices and see through this these food marketers. Exactly. And like, I mean, just so you know, this is not your fault that you believe these things that like you would try, like that you would think that they're healthy because this kind of stuff, this whole thing of like what they call almost like health washing, like where they're just like, you know, people are hiding sort of or like, positioning things in a way to make it seem like it's good for you has been going on for decades and decades. This has been going on forever. Like there was even one, I just want to talk about it before we get into the top five health foods, because I thought this was so fascinating. So back in the day, there was actually marketing out there, like that was positioning that tapeworms were actually, which are a parasite and they feed off the food you eat, that, that having a tapeworm was actually a good thing because it meant that the tapeworm would then eat the calories between you and the tapeworm, like it would split it. So then it would actually make you 
like lose weight. So this yeah, is so like you a way back in the day thing. Yeah. <laughs> but you have it. No, but it's, it's honestly like, it's crazy when you really look at it. But I mean, there's so many things that even when first that have been like coming out into the, um, the food markets that research scientists and people actually deemed as healthy before seeing a longer term effects. Like for example, yeah. margarine, like for a long time, people yes. actually really believed that margarine was a healthier alternative to butter because it has margarine is gray <laughs> when they make it. It literally is like dyed yellow. It is a man-made product. So like, but so butter had such a bad rap that margarine was looked at as, oh my gosh, a healthier alternative. And now we know that butter, of course, is not a bad fat. Saturated fats are not bad fats. They're just part of the fat family. And they are, and of course, when we're, when they're eaten in their most natural forms, they're really great for us. <laughs> so it's just, it's, there is stuff, of course, that the food marketers can get away with because there's very loose laws when it comes to labeling. There's very loose laws when it comes to what words you can use. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also a lot of times too, it's what the research was at the time has then come out and then, you know, that did not end up being actually true in the end. So you've got to make sure that you're doing your own research on a lot of your foods and also making sure that you're, um, you're keeping up to what's going on. And just to go to circle back to the tapeworm scenario, just in case anyone's listening and is like, so what's so bad about the tapeworm? (laughs) I just want to make sure that we understand that, you know, the problem with having tapeworms is that they could also result in abdominal pain, weakness, headaches, nausea, diarrhea, constipation. It could also actually not remain in your stomach and travel through your body and go to other parts of your body, like your brain. And so like, this is the thing. And like, when you were saying like, you know, from research, they realized, oh, this wasn't such a good idea after all. So it's like, I'm not saying that these foods that we're going to talk about today can do that, but what we're talking, but the whole point of me bringing that up was the idea that like the way that things are positioned can make people really think something differently, even though in your mind and subconsciously, you'd probably be like, a tape runs probably not such a great idea. Maybe people will jump on it because the marketing is so strong. And so I think that that's what happens today with a lot of different foods, different labeling of foods. When all of a sudden you see the word organic, you think, oh my gosh, it's going to be so good for me. Or, you know, there's other things that come up like all natural and stuff like that, that all of a sudden you think, oh, this is so good for me. I can eat this in abundance. Yeah. It's not always the case. Um, so the first thing that we want to talk about, the first food that really comes up is granola. Now, have you ever been duped by granola, Laura? <laughs> I think probably when it first came out, um, yeah. onto the market, because again, it was really, you know, it was coming out on the market against a lot of cereals that were during the times of like, you know, I'm trying to think of cereals. I don't even eat like any of them. Captain Flakes. Crunch and <laughs> Frosted Flakes and Fruit Loops and all of like the kids cereals that, you know, with the big bright commercials and things like that. So then it was like the adult versions of the cereals were all bran and grape nuts. And then granola came out, which of course, what tastes way better than a lot of those just very wheaty, barky kind of cereals, even though I love yeah. them. I know. All bran is so good. I don't even eat it, but I love it. I don't it. eat it anymore, but I know. Yeah. Like it's like, to me, it's like candy, which sounds weird. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it is still so full of sugar and carbohydrates that we do still get that same reaction in the body as if we were eating a lot of sugar when we're eating these processed cereals. But that's where granola kind of really came out. It was like, you know, this healthier, more delicious. And I love granola, like a homemade granola. Oh my God. I love it. Um, 
but it's the packaging is so good. And then people started buying it. But the problem is too, is they're eating so much of it in addition to a lot of them being full of, you know, not so great oils, full of a ton of sugar, mm-hmm. a ton of different chemicals. Um, it's not just, you know, homemade natural granola that's been put in a box. It's a processed package, high glycemic, high calorie breakfast option that now, you know, you feel like you're doing something good and wondering why you're not reaching your goals. Definitely. I mean, and the thing is with granola is that a typical serving size is about 40 to 45 grams, which is approximately half a cup or about three tablespoons. How many times do you see someone just do three tablespoons of granola? right? Never. Like if you're going to eat granola, especially if people like sometimes if you're sprinkling it on things, maybe, but if you're actually having like a bowl of like granola with like milk or whatever, you're going to generally have like a bowl, like probably about a cup and cup to a cup and a half serving. So you're really going to be like double or tripling the actual serving size amount, which I think is the tricky thing too. I think serving sizes can be really tricky when it comes to high calorie foods. People think, they don't realize how small that serving size really is. Do you know what I mean? It's like those tricks, like when you see drinks that you're like, oh, the drink, it's only 80 calories, but really it's like only like that much of the cup. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, dang. Totally. Like, and that's where even... calories. That's where people trick you a lot. I think. That's where even in Canada, they've been moving, and I believe in the US as well, they've been moving more to really trying to standardize the labeling laws because mm-hmm. so many different products had such different labels so like for example like one brand of yogurt would be half a cup and then another brand of yogurt would be three quarters of a cup so it's really hard as a consumer to start to make decisions based on amounts if that's what you're doing when there's no kind of standard across the board of what is listed so you get accustomed to being like oh yeah this is three quarters of a cup and then you're eating way more of something else because that the calories and the information on that is for half a cup so it's the same like with cereals they're trying to standardize it which is great but again not most people are not sitting there measuring out their stuff Mm -hmm. right and eating just for calories, if you're not eating in the way, and we've talked so much about this on the podcast, for blood sugar balance, to, man- to manage cravings and things like that, it's going to be really challenging for you to feel satisfied with a, um, on something like half a cup of granola. Oh my gosh. Body- Can you imagine if that was your breakfast? I would be like ravenous if all I had was a half a cup of granola. <laughs> also, it's going to spike your blood sugar so much. Yeah. So, but so, so on average though, that half a cup of granola, the one that's like kind of the uh, unrealistic half a cup of granola to have for your breakfast, that's 471 calories on average. That's crazy. That's a lot of calories for such a small amount. And that's what I think it's like, we talk a lot about this a lot on our podcast is like eating in volume, you know what I mean? And like eating foods that are lower in calorie and lower in carbohydrates so that you can eat more uh, voluminous foods so that you feel full longer and like higher fiber stuff. Because if you are eating just that, like I said, you're going to be starving. But if granola is your thing, if it is like, you're just like, I can't get enough of it, or I like sprinkling it on my yogurt or whatever. Please, if you are either A, make your own so that you know what's going into it, right? Because at least if you know what's going into it, then you can control it a little bit better. But if you are going to buy a store-bought one, look for brands that have higher oat counts, nut counts, and seed content. Because they're typically a little bit higher in protein and fiber and lower in sugar and salt. So that's my only advice if you are going to think, I have to eat my granola. (laughs) And the one thing is too, is if you do have dairy, have it with something that is higher in protein, like a Greek yogurt, 
um, like a 0% Greek yogurt because the granola already has that fat content from the seeds and the nuts and of course the oils that it's cooked in. If you're going to sprinkle on top, pick a lower fat, higher um, higher protein Greek yogurt to keep you fuller longer and to help to balance out your blood sugar. For sure. Now, the second thing that I think people get really tripped up on is sports drinks. That's like Gatorades or what is the other one? Uh, Powerade. Powerade. Vitamin waters. All of those drinks that we think have so many added benefits because they're basically they're marketed. So the whole thing is, okay, let me rewind. When Gatorade was created, it was created to be something that would help the body regains fluid lost by exercise and other physical activity for athletes. So this was not actually created for the average worker outer, so to speak. It was actually created. You don't need Gatorade people. Exactly. So the whole thing is that it had electrolytes built into it and which electrolytes are minerals. um, And basically they help impact a person's muscles, brains, and nerves. So when a person exercises, they lose not only water, but electrolytes, right? Through their sweat. Gatorade, because of its electrolyte content, helps to restore those electrolytes lost in a person that when they're losing that um, water and the sweat out of their body because they are an athlete, they are training at a higher level. That's what Gatorade was created for. It was actually, it was actually for a football team. It was the Gators. And it was like this whole thing, it was like actually created for them to be able to support them. And they ended up winning. This is the crazy story is that they ended up winning their championship title. And then, so it became like a big thing because it was like, oh, was it the Gatorade? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, was it that that thing that like put them over? And so it became this big story around it. And then they started mass producing it. But the whole thing is, is that for the average person, you are not actually losing that many electrolytes. You're, you know, unless you're like... I don't know, like training, like literally training like an athlete, you are not going to be losing the amount of electrolytes needed that Gatorade is going to provide you to um, put it back into your body. Like you haven't lost that much, so you don't need to regain it with that. You could just use water. And water, even with just a little bit of like Himalayan sea salt. It's like one of the most amazing things to start because Gatorade is basically, it's like, juice with some salts in it (laughs) so when you start to you can add even in a little bit of salt into your into your water or add in some freshly squeezed um like orange juice like a little bit of like half an orange mix it with your water with a little bit of with some salts that's going to give you just the same amount of benefits as if you are drinking all of that Gatorade, which is processed full of a ton of calories, a ton of sugar. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because even like with my husband, for example, he plays hockey and he's like now not as much, but used to be very active. And of course, <laughs> so for him in his brain still, he still thinks, Oh, I, you know, I need, he says like need hydration. And then he's like drinking Gatorade. I'm like, Oh my God. Like It's true. Like when you're playing football and when you're playing hockey and you're in the middle of that sport and you're playing high intensity for a long period of time, your body is going to burn in a different way. And you want to avoid things like muscle cramping and all that stuff as an athlete. Right. So that's where like you were saying, it really comes in. But the average person, if you even just make sure that you're hydrated enough, and again, you can add a little bit of sea salts or a little bit of Himalayan uh, salts, it's going to give you that same benefit without 
all of that sugar and calories. Truth. Oh my God. My husband does the same thing. He plays hockey and he says, I need a Gatorade after he is a goalie guys. And I'm not saying goalies don't work hard. Don't get me wrong, but I've seen him work and it's mostly just resting his arms on the net, waiting for the pucks to come. Mm. I'm like, yo, you don't need anything at all. You move maybe six times in an hour. Like you're good. Anyways, I think he moves but, more in his warm-up than he does in the actual games. <laughs> but this is what I find so interesting, too, about, like, the food marketing stuff. Is there's so many things that have, you know, been a part of a very specific demographic, you know, that they use it for something. And then when it goes to mainstream, it's like we change all, like, the wording around it and stuff. You know what I mean? It's like if something works for like athletes and people think, oh, then the everyday person should be eating, you know, it's also like those power bars, you know, those power bars that like now they're probably one of the grossest tasting like protein <laughs> bars, market. but they were yeah. like pretty much the first ones. They were kind of like that leathery, like mixture. They were like plaster seed. Yeah. But they were like really, really like chewy and dense. Like yeah, and really they were dead. mostly for, like, you know, people who were doing, like, triathlons. Marathons. Or marathons yeah. or long-term ultra running, like, things that they could keep in their pocket and things like those packets of goo and, like, things that are really high, high in carbohydrates because, of course, you're burning through, like, you have no stores of carbohydrates. So when you're exercising for that long period of time, if you're not fat adapted, of course, there are people who you know, really focus now on just being fat adapted and they're showing really great results in fitness as well. But for so long, the idea was that, oh, you need that steady stream of glucose to be able to stay moving because you're burning through all your stores. So, but it's just so funny how like we take this one very small demographic of the world and then we make it mainstream. It's like when we also took like something like, you know, Greek yogurt, which when that first came out, it was like, oh my God, Greek yogurt is amazing. And then it's in everything. Right. Yeah. It's not just like, oh, Greek yogurt is a high. <laughs> we protein. always go, we go crazy on like any trend. It's like, oh yeah, this is like the new Greek thing. yogurt like dressing. Soy milk. All yeah. of a sudden just was like everything was soy. <laughs> and then we also start to think more is better in our own lives. And then we start having more of it. So then we're having more, you know, Greek yogurt and more coconut oil and huge portions of it thinking more is better when in all reality, it's not. So yeah. it's just, again, it's like thinking about it in the sense of it's a lot to do with the marketing guys. It is. And Gatorade is like one of those perfect examples. Like look at even when you think about like, so going back to what you're saying about like how it's like a demographic, like think about like the water bottles that almost every single hockey player, I don't know if um, Graham has it, but I know David has his water bottle is a Gatorade bottle. He fills it with water, but it's Gatorade branded. It's like they, they own that like market of like, they know that those are the people that are going to buy their products so strongly. So anyways, going back to the whole idea though, it's like, it is completely not necessary and if you do feel like you're still dehydrated after a workout do what laura said put some himalayan salt in there maybe add a little bit of dash of like fresh fruit juice and you're good avoid the 50 calories per serving 14 grams of sugar per serving of gatorade and first serving those that's one of the tricky bottles it's not the whole bottle guys that's just a portion of the bottle as a serving so it's definitely one of the ones on the list now, the next thing that is really something that I think people get tripped up on is smoothies. Yeah. Ah, smoothies. <laughs> and I, love, I love smoothies. I love Me too. homemade smoothies and green smoothies. Yeah. I mean, it's so funny. Sometimes mine don't end up green. They end up like a brownish beard. Yeah. Some of look like baby poo, guys. It's- yeah. They're not, they're not delicious looking, but they're great. And the thing is, though, is that 
I think the, the way that people get tripped up and my mom does this. So this is like, I know this for a fact is that they think they're doing something that's really good for them. They're like, I'm going to make a smoothie. So what does my mom put in her smoothies? She puts yogurt, like just regular yogurt, like Activia. She puts orange juice. She puts yeah. fresh bananas, strawberries. Um, she, what else does she put in it? She puts something like, there's no water. There's no greens. It's literally just like, sugar on sugar on sugar on sugar and then she blends it all together and she's like it tastes delicious i like it it's great and i'm like but that's probably the amount of calories and sugar content that you need for like almost your entire day because <laughs> she drinks well, the whole thing <laughs> yeah and it's very like so actually in our holistic nutrition weight loss expert certification we do an entire assignment on how to build weight loss approved green smoothies and you guys can check yeah. out a lot of the recipes from our students actually on our blog but there are certain rules that they have in place to make it weight loss approved which is that it has to have you know 20 25 grams of protein it has to have uh, a minimum 10 grams of fiber and it has to be between 300 to 400 calories as a meal replacement. So the whole idea of it too, is that it's going to be a balance of proteins and fats and fiber. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're filling yourself up and you're getting all the benefits of all of the awesome nutritious fruits and veggies that are in it, but then you're also not turning it into a sugar bomb because even though, you know, yogurt, can be healthy. And I don't like to say certain foods are more healthier than other foods because every single person is different. So maybe you're someone who can digest yogurt and it's a great food for you, but maybe you're someone who can't and then it's a food that causes you so much havoc, right? It causes so, me havoc. Yeah. So it's one of those things where like it's um in in a smoothie like that when you're looking at all the fruits on their own it's you think, okay, well, great. I'm getting all this nutrition, but it's not just about calories guys. It's about how that food interacts with your body. So weight and health is a hormonal issue just as much as it is. A, well, I should say it's way more than what it is a calorie issue. So that food, yes, on its own is great. But when you're packing that much sugar with a very little fiber and very little um, protein and you take it into your body, then it becomes a hormonal issue because your insulin, which is a hormone, ends up getting all out of whack. Mm -hmm. And that's where things get thrown off. So if we are eating these things, we've got to also think about what happens when they come into our bodies, not just what they are as they're sitting in their own form. Because yeah, grapes are great. But when you ingest a lot of grapes, well, that's a mixture of there's all different types of sugars in there. A lot of people think that just with sugar, because fructose does not affect blood sugar the way that, um, let's say, glucose does. They think that fruit is like, well, it's totally okay. But fruit is a mixture of different carbohydrates, so it's still going to have an impact on blood sugar. So you've got to think about it in that way, right? So when you're buying these ones that are store-bought, like there's Bolt House and there's all these booster juice and all these things that look so pretty and bright and healthy. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of excess sugar in there. There's a lot of excess, especially if they're adding in things like honey and maple syrup. Again, great on their own, but when you're interacting with your body, especially in, without any protein and fiber, there's a whole different thing going on. Totally. Well, they say that like drinking those store-bought smoothies is almost equivalent to eating like a couple of bags of candy because of the sugar content, because it's so high. So if you are though, oh, so if you're like right now, like, okay, I don't want to buy the store-bought ones anymore. I want to make my own at home. And I usually make them like Amanda's mom does with like juice and yogurt and everything else in it. And I want to make it healthier instead. You know, really just think about like what Laura was mentioning, like 
low, um, fruit, if you want to add fruit to it, cool, but look for the lower sugar content ones, like um, low, low glycemic fruits, like different berries, like strawberries, blueberries, raspberries, that kind of thing. Do not add juice to the mix. Use water. If you need to use something else, use like a low cal. Like I also sometimes use almond milk. I use unsweetened almond milk, vanilla almond milk. So my favorite actually calories. My favorite actually is unsweetened cashew milk. It makes everything the greeniest. Mm. Yum. I should try that. Um, include protein and fats definitely to the mix. Add your greens <laughs> and then avoid sugars, like adding extra sugars like honey and syrup and that kind of stuff. Instead, if you need to add something like a hint of flavor to it, add like, think about like cinnamon or nutmeg or vanilla extract, something that will give it a little bit more flavor boost, but without the calorie intake. Well, and cinnamon is such a great herb too, to actually help with blood sugar balancing. So it's going to keep that highs and lows as well as helping with cravings. But like I said, guys, make sure to go check out our website, fitchacademy.com. Click on meet the grads. You can find tons. I think we have like 20 recipes on there just for smoothies that are weight loss approved that are built to balance blood sugar and that are by our holistic nutrition weight loss expert students. So you can get all your delicious smoothies to try from there. And they're all within what we recommend for a meal replacement. Awesome. Now the fourth food that health pros would never recommend using is dried fruits. Now, why is that Laura? Because they're so high in sugar (laughs) and they're not filling, they're not filling whatsoever. So I want you guys to think about this in the perspective of like, we were talking about grapes earlier. So think about grapes for volume. So let's say a hundred calories of grapes is like a handful, right? Mm -hmm. But then a hundred calories of raisins, which is the same food, but since it's been dehydrated, all the water has been taken out of it, which helps to fill you up as well then all that's left is that little tiny dried bit. So one cup of grapes is like a handful, one like, oh, sorry, hundred calories of grapes is like a handful, hundred calories of raisins is like a teaspoon in like the palm of your hand or like a tablespoon. <laughs> it's like 10 little raisins. You would just go like little raisins. Yeah, yeah you would just go oh, down the hatch, right? So when you're thinking about foods, especially because we're talking about foods that fitness professionals would not be recommending. And a lot of times people see like granola, they see trail mixes. I also don't recommend to my clients to snack on nuts. Snacking on nuts, most of the time too, they're roasted. It is a road to disaster. The road to disaster. (laughs) You are start, they're not fueling or filling any hunger gaps. Like how many times in your life have you ever eaten 10 almonds and been like, Whoa, I feel so satiated after those 10 almonds. I and you've, ju- you've no, just, you want to eat like a hundred of them. <laughs> yeah. And it's so easy to go through and snack and suddenly you've eaten 600 calories of nuts and you're still starving. And also guys, in addition to that, cause I know we're going to probably get some pushback about well, nuts, but all these healthy fats, the majority of nuts are roasted. So, Fats are sensitive to heat, light, and air. It damages them. So when you're eating a roasted almond versus a raw, natural, unblanched almond, it's eating a totally different thing. Now, if you eat those raw almonds, they're not as delicious as those like roasted tamari <laughs> almonds, which I love, or you know the black pepper cashews or all of these types of kettle cooked peanuts. Those are the ones too that people are still snacking on and thinking, oh, but I'm just having some nuts. But it's like, again, it's a better it's, option for me. Yeah, it's so easy. And you're not getting the benefits of those fats because a lot of times they've been processed in a way that the fats in those nuts 
are not healthy anymore or not available to you in the same way as they would in the raw form. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm like, stay away from nuts as snacks. If you're going to use them in something or on something, that's one thing. But even then, like really limit, you've got to really limit the amount. And it's the same with dried fruit. It's like, it's not worth the results you're getting from it to me. Yeah. No, well, cause that's just it. It's like, if you, I always think about like apricots, like I love apricots, like fresh apricots, but as you know, I'm allergic to, ap- I'm allergic to, well, I'm allergic to actually the dried ones, but I think it's cause I'm allergic to sulfur and I'm allergic to the sulfates that they put into it. So I can't eat them. But anyways, but it's like, when I think about apricots, I could eat like, you know, two regular fresh ones and I'll be like, Oh, that tasted really good. But you eat like, have you ever just eaten two dried apricots and been like, I'm good. No, no, it doesn't happen. And that's the thing with dried fruit is that it's like this trick in your mind. Cause you're like, you don't think of it as I ate two apricots. You just think I ate a little like tiny, you know what I mean? You'll eat like 10 of them instead. And now you have like, 5x what you should be eating if you were eating it fresh. So just eat yeah. it. if you want fruit, just have the fresh fruit. Don't eat don't eat the dried fruit because the dried fruit, it's just like it ends up not being thing. Like in, you know, here's a perfect example. Like they say that one small uh, one ounce of raisins is 84 calories roughly, almost exclusively from sugar. Because of that, like because of them pulling the water out, it's almost exclusively sugar. So out of that 84 calories, it's almost exclusively sugar. Do you really want to eat that or do you want to just have some grapes? <laughs> and it's interesting too, because the more we pull a natural food away from its natural state, typically the more, especially foods that are higher in sugar and starch content, the higher glycemic it becomes. So, you know, and, but we keep thinking about that food in its original form. So like grapes is like level one, right? So grapes are, you know, there's sugar content and whatnot. But then let's say when we take that into grapes that now have been turned into um, into raisins. Now that sugar content and where it like has actually spiked higher. Now let's say if we then turn it into wine, wine is a little bit different because they ferment and the actual bacteria eats a lot of the sugar. That's what it feeds off of. So it lowers it. But there's things that keep on changing. It's the same thing even with like a potato. If you took a potato whole, even if you cut that potato in half, because you're exposing more of the surface area, the starches become broken down, which again, your body then doesn't have to do the breakdown. Like a lot of calories are burned in digestion. So that that potato now cut in half, your body doesn't have to do as much work. Now you cook that potato. Uh, so now that's done a ton of the work and all the starches are broken down even more. So again, that's going to spike it more. And then you cube it up and you fry it and then that's going to do it more. So it's like the further <laughs> we move away from what mother nature created it as, the, the typically the higher glycemic it's going to be for us and the higher calorie it's going to be for us. So this is where guys just really think about, we're not talking about just counting calories for weight loss here. That's not what this is about. It's the idea of like getting more bang for your buck and being able to feel the fullest on what you're eating And of course, getting in line with your goals, because it's very easy to overeat on these things. Then you're feeling like you're doing things that are good for you. And then you're frustrated because you're not reaching your goals. Well, that's what I said in the beginning. It's like being duped, right? Like you think, you think that eating dried fruit or you think that, okay, well, I'm going to eat some nuts instead of eating chips, like potato chips. Mm -hmm. But really it's like, is there really that big of a difference? You know what I mean? And that's, and that's why I think we wanted to do this podcast today because we wanted to be able to show people just, you know, the things that can really like trip you up 
especially when you're trying to reach your goals. And also if you're someone who already has clients and you're someone who's listening, who's maybe you're in our Fidgets Academy and you're training to be a fitness and nutrition coach, or maybe you are already a fitness instructor and you're going to have your clients asking you these questions because you have to remember this is our world, right? There's things, even when we were talking about this podcast beforehand, there's things that I almost just like take for granted that we know and that we do. I'm like, Oh, don't, doesn't everybody know this? Yeah. Like, no, they don't. And you know, your clients will have these questions. So it's really important for you to be able to navigate them in the right direction and also to give them alternatives. So like, again, when we we're talking about the smoothies, they're like, Oh, well, I'm going to Jugo juice every day after, you know, I do your boot camp class. And you're like, wait a second, I've got this great recipe for a smoothie you can make at home. It's going to taste just as delicious but it's going to be more in line with your goals. And here is why. So like it's have, building your toolbox too, to be able to push them in the right direction. Definitely. Um, and then the last food that I find kind of like near and dear to my heart, because I think that this is one that I see it a lot in like the mom circuit. <laughs> they think that, you know, um, and again, like, I'm not saying this is like, I'm not calling anyone out, but what I'm saying is like, I've seen it with my friends that they will give veggie chips to their kids and think they're giving their kids vegetables and they think it's good for them. And then they keep giving it to them instead of like, instead of other treats or things like that, or they actually do it as like a substitute for vegetables. And here's the thing, guys, veggie chips, basically on par with potato chips. There's really like calorie count wise, almost exactly the same. Um, sugar count, I mean, sorry, salt, like sodium, the only ones that are actually lower um, sodium count than regular potato chips is the Taro brand. Other than that, some of them are even higher in terms of sodium. And the whole idea that like, that you're giving your kid vegetable, like the percentage of vegetable that is actually in those chips is so minimal. It's so small that it doesn't account for any kind of a serving size of vegetables. Well, there's kind of like the two vegetable chips, right? There's the ones that are like the Tara brand, like the ones that are like full on like yeah, there's ones those that are, are like, different. yeah, they're just like ones that are, well, no, those are the ones that are the closest to like in terms of like to a potato chip. Like people think that it's better for you because they're sweet potatoes and they're beets and they're parsnips. But really, those are all the same. Like a potato is a healthy food. But yeah. when you slice it thin, expose all the surface area, deep fry it, <laughs> you completely change the structure of that food. And it's the same thing. A beet does not make it just healthier because it's a beet in a fried form. You know what I mean? Like, or a fried yeah. form that's a beet versus a potato. So those are the foods that, yes, there are going to be a few more benefits to, you know, having this diverse amount of chips, but you're still eating chips. So you're like, you're not doing... It's not like, oh, so you're not eating says, like potato, like a sweet potato in its natural state. <laughs> exactly. so you're not getting the same quality. And then also the other type of veggie chips, the ones that I think of are actually like the puffed ones. You those know, are the, the ones I thinking about too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Those are the ones that I always think of. And I see so many parents use them as like either substitutions for, or they think that they're giving their kids like their veggie servings for the day. Yeah. Cause it really what it is guys, it's like puffed up like some of them are corn, some corn, of them are potato starch, yeah. some of them are, and it's just puffed up, which makes it so high glycemic, right? So even though the volume sometimes looks like you're getting more, the weight is the same. <laughs> and it's still just very, very, very high glycemic. Like pop chips are the same, uh, veggie sticks, anything that's puffed or popped is 
typically higher glycemic because again, you have now changed that structure and you're, there's no fiber in it. There's no fats. There's no proteins that are slowing down that digestion. So it's like, yes, it's something that if you're going to have it, have it, you know, every so often, but don't think of it in a way of like, Oh, this is healthy for me. So I can have it more often. It's like, it's still very high glycemic. It's funny though, how that is like in the organic aisle, the amount of organic crap that is there now, (laughs) because it's not real food. It's not saying it's bad food, but it's food like products that we attach a meaning to once we hear the word organic. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what I was saying in the very beginning. Yeah. That word is like, it's such a like, it's such a huge marketing word that's happening right now. Like it's like the buzzword, right? It's like organic and it, gluten-free or those kinds of things. And then all of a sudden we see that word and we're like, or we attach vegan. it to a meaning. We attach it. I'm going to attach meaning. it to the idea that it's like, it's good for me. And therefore if I eat this, it's better for me than if I eat X. And instead it's just like, well, neither of them are really good for you. Can we find a different alternative to what could be good for you? What could actually feed you better and fill you up more and, you know, take away like all of the negative sort of impacts of these processed foods. Well, that's one of the things I just find, find interesting. It's like, as soon as we see certain words, like I could take, you know, let's say a Snickers bar (laughs) and I wrap it in a package and I say that it's organic and I say that it is a gluten-free bar and I put the same Snickers bar in a Snickers package next to it. Or let's say we pick a new name. We call it Snookers. We create a new bar. <laughs> one looks like a Snickers bar packaging. One says organic on it. I guarantee the people who think healthy or even though they have the exact same labels or on them. attempting to. Yes. Yeah. Or even if they have the exact same labels on and one is in the junk food aisle and one is in the organic aisle, people will buy that feeling good about that decision because of that word. Mm-hmm. But this is yep. where guys, you got to get smart and you have to be reading those labels. If you're eating packaged foods, especially processed packaged foods, because there's lots of different words for sugar. I remember we did a sugar challenge way back and I put a list in it of all the words that can be on a label for sugar, dextrose, maltose, glucose. Um, there's so many, if you see the word O S E it's a form of sugar. Yeah. <laughs> also brown rice syrups any type of syrups it's a form of sugar so like you've got to make sure that you're looking at it and really looking at also the fiber content the amount of added sugars that are in there like all of mm-hmm. these things are what the health washers do to make these foods that are typically just candy bars look healthier like that's why a lot of protein bars amanda and i were talking about this earlier amanda was we were struggling with should we put protein bars on here or should, should we not and that would probably be my bonus one There are some better choices for protein bars, but so many of them are seriously guys, like they're just chocolate bars that have been wrapped in a different package. It's so funny that you say that because have you seen that Snickers actually has a protein bar now? I saw one of those in the States and it was like, it's literally like Snickers, but added protein, (laughs) but it's their candy bar. It's like, it's literally just, you're just eating a chocolate bar. (laughs) <laughs> that's that's actually like it's legitimately like they're not even hiding it anymore they're just like here's your chocolate bar and here's a bit more protein <laughs> we're not even gonna try to repackage it and pretend like it's something different it's just like here you go <laughs> totally and that's where it's like you know i always think kind of the first step so when people are like okay but how do i know which foods are are good or which foods are not as good choices or whatnot the first thing, the number one thing to look for is foods without labels. Like if a food does not have a label, it's natural broccoli, yeah. 
<laughs> apples. Like, like apples. Instead of like dehydrated apples, just have apples. <laughs> yeah, like anything that is in its most natural form and it does not have a label, which is typically your fruits and your vegetables, your meats, um, your healthy fats, those things, you know, if you look on a bottle of olive oil, typically just says olive oil or else then you should not be buying it if it has eight other <laughs> different ingredients. But you know yeah. what I mean? Like if the label is literally one ingredient or it doesn't have a label, that's where you kind of start. And also thinking about things in their most natural form, like mother nature created things in a way for a reason. And they're like, for example, I always give this example too of an apple. Like if you peel even the skin off an apple, you've completely changed the way your body is going to digest that. As I was saying earlier, the way it is outside of your body versus inside of your body are two totally different things. Mm-hmm. Mother nature created that apple as a perfect package because not only does that skin have a ton of nutrition, but it's roughage, it's fiber. So that slows down the digestion. It slows down the amount it's going to spike blood sugar. It's going to make that food. It has different, that's going to balance out the way that food affects in your body versus if you peeled that apple and then you just ate like pieces of the apple, which is so fascinating to me, but the inside of the apple is great too. It's full of insoluble fiber, which is a different type of fiber. So uh, sorry, soluble fiber, which is a different type of fiber. So it's like, but the way it's made in one piece that's what makes it like the most perfect form to eat it is the way it is. That's why I always try to encourage you guys to as much as you can keep your skins on your veggies. Yeah. Scrub them good. Carrots, your parsnips, all that kind of stuff. Your potatoes. Yeah. Your sweet potatoes, just scrub them really well and you're good. Totally agree with that. And I find they actually taste better. I don't know. For me, I like, (laughs) I like that. Like, I like the flavor of it. And even if I am. Roasted parsnips. Yeah. And even if I do peel stuff, I also then try to keep that for soup stock too, because they're great flavors as well. So so let's get a little bonus. (laughs) All right. Well, that wraps up our podcast for today. I hope you guys learned a lot. I hope you, um, you know, we're able to kind of like maybe see a couple of foods that have maybe duped you (laughs) in the past. And we'd love to hear if there's anything else that you can think of that maybe has tripped you up in the past that you've learned about or some food that you're just like, maybe you have a question about, like maybe you're just like, what about this? Post it below this video, let us know. Um, And then of course, go to fitchicksacademy.com to learn more about our upcoming um, certification programs. We have our holistic nutrition program starting when, Laura? June 2nd. That's right. So if you are obsessed like we are about fitness, nutrition, and wellness, but specifically around nutrition, and you want to be able to learn more, if this was super interesting to you and you want to dive in deeper, you need to join us. We actually just had, on that note, we actually just had one of our students, she emailed in a testimonial, and she already was a holistic nutritionist, Mm -hmm. ended up doing the holistic nutrition weight loss expert certification to get a specialty in weight loss because as a holistic nutritionist is very vague. So she wanted to specialize in and she just started doing what we were talking about in the class, like implementing the habits that she, we were talking about. And she lost over 20 pounds. She just sent in her before and after picture. I'm going to post it in our <laughs> Facebook group. But I was just like, Oh my gosh, like guys, this stuff works. Like if you start to really understand how food works, how the hormones work, how digestion works, it's, it makes fat loss, long-term fat loss effortless that even worrying about these foods, these duping foods, you won't even have to think about it anymore. It'll become like <laughs> second nature to you. Yeah. Okay, guys, have an amazing day, and we will talk to you soon. Bye. 
Thanks for listening to the Fit Chicks Chat Podcast. Want more healthy love? Visit www.fitchicks.com for amazing resources, free workouts, recipes, tips, and so much more to help you live your healthiest and fiercest life inside and out. Thank you for joining us this week. And remember, if you are ready to create the life, health, and career you love, join us for the upcoming Fitness and Nutrition Expert or our Holistic Nutrition Weight Loss Expert Certification Programs. Download the brochures at fitchicksacademy.com.